This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Welcome to episode 40 of the SuperAge podcast. This will be dropping on June the 23rd, 2021. It's great to have you with us this week. This week, I've been thinking about how we all need a break, right? Like the last year and a half has been intense. Um, You know, where I am here in the U.S., we're mostly out of the COVID situation. Things are mostly opening up, and that's great. And even though we're, you know, a lot of us, if you're listening to this show, have probably been doing all the right stuff. You're making sure you get enough sleep. You're eating the right foods. You're getting exercise. You're engaged with your work, with your family. This is all great. And you may still have this feeling of languishing, which is something that I've been aware of for the last few weeks and thinking about, well, what's the solution to that? And I think the solution to that is we just need a break. We just need a gap. And that can be as easy as a change of scenery. Maybe we go to the beach for a couple days. That can work. Maybe we go further. Um, Okay, that works. But it may also be something as simple as just doing something different from where what our normal world is and th- and that can be like hey maybe you like know a, maybe you got a grandchild or you know somebody who's got like a 4-year-old or a 5-year-old and go hang out with them for a couple of days and oh boy that's a different reality that's a different set of priorities a different sense of time and leaving that world and coming back to your own you may feel that that sense of languishing has gone away so i'm going to make it a point this weekend to, I think what we're going to do is, there's a lot of water around here. The lakes are kind of cold, but I'm really excited about going out and doing something on the water this weekend because I haven't done anything like that in, you know, some time. And just having that break, really looking forward to it. I think it's, I think it's, it's important, no matter how great you take care of yourself, to just say like, okay, we're going to step into something else this weekend and just do something new and then come back Sunday night, Monday morning, feeling refreshed and feeling like we can see things more clearly. That sense of languishing leaves us. This week on the show, we have Dr. Denise Wharton, who is just a font of knowledge on things like ketones and cancer and metabolism and the, you know, the, the real concrete values of having community. So really looking forward to having Denise on. Um, she's a wonderful person. You're going to love her. We're going to get to her in just a second after a quick word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker. What is your inner age? Well, you know your chronological age, but do you know your biological age? That's known as your inner age. Inside Tracker will show you your biological age as well as an action plan of science backed recommendations with the goal of improving the quantity and the quality of the years ahead, which is what we all want, right? Founded by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT. Tufts, and Harvard, Inside Tracker is a personalized health and wellness platform like no other. What's their secret? Well, first, Inside Tracker uses its patented algorithm to analyze your body's data and offer you a clearer picture than you've ever had about what's going on inside you. Then Inside Tracker provides you with a concrete, science-backed action plan for living a longer, healthier life and tracks your progress every day, every step of the way. This is a platform unlike any other. It's fully personalized. It's based on my blood tests, my DNA results, and I follow their recommendations every day, and I can feel a difference. This is a way to empower your own inner health. I really recommend these people. The science is tremendous. The results are great. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist and save 25% on all their products. That's insidetracker.com com slash ageist save 25 percent dr denise warden how are you today i'm doing great how about you david oh it's a lovely day in park city it's always a lovely day in park city though well i'm in arizona so don't ask me about the temperature right now it's it's not lovely 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like inhumane. It is. It's like un- almost unlivable. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, it's not all almost. It's unlivable. <laughs> <laughs> Outside without water and Ooh. air conditioning, that's true. Wow. Absolutely true. <laughs> oh, brave to live there. Where are you from, by the way? What's the accent? You, well, I, I, you hear Louisiana, but I'm an army brat and I was uh-huh. born and raised all over the United States, but in the oh. South for most of that time. And you're hearing Louisiana, but I've been in Arizona oh. longer than anywhere now. My, my dad was uh, military. He was army. Yeah. Yep. I was a colonel in the, yeah. So there yeah. You go. I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your background. Well, right now I'm a naturopathic medical doctor. And what that means in Arizona is that I'm licensed as a primary care physician. I write prescriptions, can do minor surgery, but I'm also licensed in the alternative medicines, which is traditional Chinese medicine, botanical medicine, all the herbals, clinical nutrition, all the way up to IVs, counseling, because we know the the strong connection between mind and body and homeopathy um, and manipulation, similar to what chiropractors do. So I've got a big bag of modalities that I can choose from. And I really like to place myself as a bridge between conventional and alternative medicine. It's not one or the other or one instead of the other. It's like pick the best from both worlds and we shouldn't have to choose between them. We should always be using whatever's best for the patient. That's right. I I often wonder, you know, the, it's one of, sorry, I don't want to, I'm going to disparage your profession, but (laughs) The medical profession is so siloed, yeah. it's, which is kind of good. Like, you, you know, you like, you know, you hurt your knee, you go to the knee guy and he really knows knees, but that's it. Like, don't ask him about anything else. So that's right. But, and, I guess it's hard, right? You know, in medicine right now has gotten to the point where you walk into a traditional doctor's office that has a sign up that says today only uh, tell me about your one complaint. If you have two things bothering you, you'll have to make another appointment. What <laughs> happened to looking at the person as a whole? It's always connected. The knee bone is connected to the shin bone and mind, body, and spirit. If you're not addressing all three of those, you can only put on band-aids and all you're pretty much doing is like turning off or cutting off the fire alarm and you're leaving the fire still going. This is bad medicine. We should always be looking from a holistic standpoint, but the insurance model doesn't allow it because there's not enough time. That's why people, doctors like me that want to really dig down to the root of the problem, we're cash pay. We have to be. We don't fit within that five minute model. You know, I I wrote a piece last week about how to pick a doctor because uh, because most people spend about as much time picking, they spend less time picking a doctor than they do like the plumber. They're <laughs> going to spend way more time picking out a pair of shoes or where they're going for the summer rather than just like, oh yeah, well, the health plan said one of these 10, I'll, I'll pick them, they're close. That's right. And they see it. Let me go maybe once in a while. If they tell me my blood work is okay, I'm going to ignore my health. But the problem is if you have any symptoms, you should not be ignoring that. And we cannot see everything on a lab or on imaging. We can't see it all. Mm -hmm. So we've got to learn to listen to our bodies. We must listen to our bodies and know when something is off. That's right. And uh, one of the other things, my, my kind of um, a disqualifier for a doctor is if, if you go to a doctor and, you know, just say they, you run some labs yeah. and they look at them and something's out of range and the doctor says, we'll need to keep an eye on that. <laughs> I leave. It's right. over because <laughs> that's not what I want to hear. No, I want to hear what do I do? How do I modify my behavior to, you know, change the problem here until we get so far out of range that you're right. You pull out the prescription pad and there's nothing else that can be done. Like, I don't want to get into that range. You've got it, David. Good doc's going to look at it. It can look in normal range, but if it's on the edge close to abnormal, I always pay attention. I always, we start making changes in it's called prevention, but most doctors, they're not going to read through the entire lab. They don't have time. They look down at the bottom and see if anything tagged outside of range. That's the only time they're going to pay attention to it. And if it's not that far out of range, like you said, they're just going to say, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. That is not prevention. No, <laughs> that gets me. I'm out the door. It's just like, very nice to meet you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Good 
Goodbye. And I, you know, I tell my patients, David, that your doctors work for you. You're paying yeah. us for our medical uh, uh, education. We work for you and you have the right to fire doctors. I work a lot yeah. in oncology. And yes. I say, if you do not feel like you have a, a team of right. healthcare practitioners, you're not listened to, or you're disparaged, or you, you know, you don't feel comfortable, fire that yeah. doctor. Absolutely. They work for you. It's, it's again, it's the plumber model. It is. I'm, people are so much more ready to fire their plumber than their bad <laughs> doctor. Well, you know, I think we're the generational gap is getting uh, different about that. But, you know, our parents would have never questioned anything that the doctor said. Right. They wouldn't have questioned anything. It was like the God complex. And that's where doctors got the egos that they do is that don't mm. question me, do what I say. And right. don't question me. I don't want to explain to you why I'm even asking you to do this. So I, we've gotten as people have become more educated and especially, you know, in our agers, let's say our, our healthy <laughs> agers is that we are reading. We are, we do understand, you know, I turned 62. Well, I'm almost 63 this year. And so at that point you say, all right, you know, in my, in our age range, People are starting to question, but the 70 and 80 year olds are still stuck in that. Well, I couldn't ask my doctor to explain anything or I couldn't hire them. Yeah, It's in their mindset. They can't. And, and we've got to change that. Get a better doctor. There's a yes. lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, tell me, I, I know that, you know, you collaborate on some research out there um, and specifically with oncology, which is um, cancer. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious you know, what you've been learning about um, ketones and essentially uh, metabolic interactions with cancer. Right. Well, you know, I've, I've designed and conducted clinical trials for medical devices and nutritional supplements for years. But uh, a few years ago, probably about six, seven years ago now, I read a book called Tripping Over the Truth, and it's by Travis Christofferson. That opened my eyes immediately. It questioned the paradigm of how we think about cancer and where all the research is and it's gone down the wrong path and this is this is the this is the this is what it says we think of it being a genetic or dna damage disease mm. only about 2 to 3% of cancers are actually genetic the others are being caused by these epigenetic factors, our diet, our lifestyle, all these things and so we put all our dollars into the wrong pathway. And so we said, well, if it's not a genetic disease, what is it? My belief system and many other researchers and many other doctors at this point is that it's a metabolic disease. That means that the, the mitochondria, that's that little powerhouse inside the cell. It's not the nucleus, but it's in that cell. That powerhouse gets damaged. And when that gets damaged, that causes ultimately some DNA damage and cancer. So it's a metabolic problem in the cell that's causing cancer. So now we say, how can we look at that ahead of time and how can we measure it? And what are the therapies that make sense to treat cancer as the metabolic disease that it is and not a genetic one? Um, explain to everyone the difference between the behavior of a cancer cell and a normal cell. Right. Normal cells have the ability to recognize that they don't need to keep replicating and keep growing, which means like a tumor grows and grows and grows in size. Right. It's because there's not a shut off switch to tell it to quit replicating. And and when it's old and it's sick, it's called apoptosis. Those cells are supposed to die. Well, cancer cells don't play by the rules. They don't die and they keep replicating. Therefore, they grow tumors and then we've got a problem. That's for the solid body tumors. Blood cancers are a little different, but most cancers are about this issue that the cell, cancer cell does not behave like a regular cell. It doesn't know when to quit um, replicating and it doesn't know when to die. What's the fuel that a cancer cell uses versus a regular cell? Well, in our metabolic theories is that there's two pathways. One of those is glucose. Now, glucose can come from your diet, from sugar and carbs and all these things, but glucose can also be high from stress because even if you're eating a ketogenic diet that is low, really 
super low carb, no sugar and high fat, even if you're doing that, your glucose can still be high. And that's because if you're telling your body you're in stress and you need to survive a bear, it's in survival mode, it will strip glycogen, which is a storage glucose from the muscles and dump it into the bloodstream. So now your, your glucose is still high and you're still feeding cancer cells. That's one pathway. The, uh, and you have to address both the diet and the stress component. The other pathway is glutamate. That's a whole different ball game, but we have some repurposed drugs that we are using uh, that are blocking that pathway. And we're, we're excited because we have what's called a press pulse type therapy. As soon as a patient has cancer, it depends on the type of cancer, but certain things we're gonna keep them on. They stay in a, on a ketogenic diet. They stay on certain things. On the other side, we're going to pulse some things, maybe three weeks in hyperbaric chamber. Then we give them two weeks off and then three weeks again. So it's all about timing and the dosage and the sequence of the treatments that we utilize. So if, if I understand this correctly, um, a cancer cell really likes sugar. Loves um, it. Loves it, right? <laughs> um, now, my, uh, my muscles um, also like glycogen. They're, sure. um, they, 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 they like that. Uh, right. so what's the difference between some, um, my regular cells right. use a certain amount of glucose, but they can also use ketones, right. As a fuel, but the cancer cells can't use the ketones. Is that right? That's correct. Cancer uh -huh. cells can't use ketone as a fuel. So let's start with what's the perfect fuel for our body and our brain. It's ketones. Our body loves ketones. It like works well on ketones. Glucose is a nasty, dirty little fuel. It's like if you're getting the high octane or not, you know, in your car, it's a bad fuel, but it's a fuel that we need. And it's not a bad guy if it's being utilized properly. Now let's start with the premise of all food. Everything you put in your mouth turns to glucose eventually, because that's the fuel that's supposed to get inside the cell to run it. But when it can't get inside the cell, insulin resistance or, or diabetes problems like that, it's floating around in the bloodstream. Now it's harmful. Yes, you need that storage uh, glycogen in those muscles, David, for when you want to exercise and do things or when you need to run from the bear. So glucose is not a bad guy. It's how it's utilized and how much is it? And why do we know? How do we know that uh, uh, cancer loves to eat sugar? When you get a PET scan, when someone has cancer, and you go to get a PET scan, they put the sugar dye into your veins, right? And wherever it lights up, we go, uh-oh, there's cancer. It, oh, it yeah. metastasized from the prostate to the brain now. We can see it because it's lighting up because the metabolic activity, because the sugar is going, I mean, the cancer cells are going, woohoo, we've got sugar, we've got fuel, they light up and we can see it on a PET scan. That's what a PET scan is, is showing us how metabolically those cancer cells take that sugar and uptake it and use it as fuel. I, I tell people, I'm, and I'm not, I don't have the credentials that you have, but um, <laughs> people ask me like, you know, like what to eat. Yeah. And I, and I say, if there's only one thing, you know, lower the glucose load in what you're eating, just do that. Keep it really simple. Um, you're correct. Most people don't get enough vegetables and they think, well, I don't like vegetables. I'm going to eat fruit. Well, fructose is a fast sugar as well. And yeah. our cancer patients, we try to get them into what's called a GKI. It's kind of a calculation of glucose and ketones. Mm -hmm. And when you calculate that number, we know where we want them from a therapeutic standpoint. And so, you know, we know that they might be able to have a little handful of berries and that's mm -hmm. it. Or maybe yeah. they can't because right. their body can't tolerate it. So everybody's a little different in what you can have. But in general, the anti-aging way to eat, more vegetables, less sugars, all kinds of sugars, less of the white stuff, white bread, white, you know, white, uh, white rice, all of it. And, and, and figuring out which foods cause inflammation. That's a big one. I do an IgG test. It's a food sensitivity test on people. And that means I could be telling you, David, I, you know, I think broccoli is great. It's a, you know, it works kind of like chemotherapy. It not only prevents cancer, but it actually fights it. So you should eat a bunch of broccoli. Let's say you have an IgG sensitivity to that and that broccoli causes inflammation in you. That is no longer a healthy food for you. So it's individualized. It is not mm. a blanket. Everybody should eat all of these main things, not if they cause inflammation in you.
So testing for inflammatory foods is very important piece here. I th- and, and it changes over time. It's dynamic, right? Which is, I, I think the other thing that, especially with age, like I, I used to eat, I used to be a big broccoli eater. Mm-hmm. You give me a bunch of like sort of, you know, steamed broccoli right now, my belly is just going to like swell up. Well, then you're not breaking it down. So if it's not right. an IgG, I'm going to get after you, David. Oh, all right. If it, Hit me if up. Not, Tell me what I need. I, yeah. If it's not an IgG allergy, you've got something else going on where you can't break down the cruciferous vegetables. That's either leaky right. gut or something going on where your digestive system is not doing its job. I don't know whether you have a problem with broccoli or not, but I know you have a problem with breaking it down. Maybe Absolutely. The issue, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll come and see you. You can. So we don't know the root of the problem yet, right? But we <laughs> okay. know that's not supposed to happen when you eat broccoli. Yeah, I just stopped that eating broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, so what are you eating? What do you eat? G- give me, g- give me the three meals. What are you eating? Right. Well, I, I rotate now. I'm all about rotating foods because. We get different nutrients from different foods or an array of all the good things. And we also get an array of all the bad things. And I try to eat organic and as clean meats and all these things as I can, but we can't stay into a completely clean state. So I'm going to rotate my poisons, the toxins, all the things that come in our food and our drinks now. So if you rotate your foods and you eat a lot of different things and you don't eat the same thing every day, that's the number one most important thing. So I rotate my foods. I eat more vegetables than probably most people do. Sometimes I'm in the mood for a clean meat. Sometimes I'm not. I listen to the seasons. My body in the heat, I don't really want meat. I don't feel that I want it. In the winter, I start craving a steak. I'm going to eat a steak. So I listen to my body. It's not a set. I eat this every day. But what I do do is continually to rotate those foods. And I will um, every, you know, maybe twice a year for a couple of months do a ketogenic diet. My thought process is, is that if I do have any, which we all do circulating cancer cells in us, I'm going to starve those guys out for a while. I'm going to hit them. I'm going to say, no, 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 you can't, you can't do this to me. And so I'm going to do ketogenic for a couple of months and then I'll go back to Mediterranean. Then I'll go, but I will always try to stay very low carb. And no, you know, not none of the bad carbs and try to stay away from sugars. Those are just the biggest, biggest things. And we've got great recipes now that with yummy stuff where you don't have to use sugar. We've got plenty of substitutes that work that way. So rotating number one thing, David, and getting um, fermented food. That's another thing. Sauerkraut, kefir, kimchi. Those are things that are very important for our health uh, for most people can be beneficial. But but once in a blue moon, I want a pizza. And I want anchovy and artichoke, you know, I want my strange (laughs) pizza. And when I do, I know that my body is going to take a hit from that. I know it will. But if I am taking care of myself and I'm in a good uh, mindset to do that, then it really doesn't bother me. It's like if I had a scab and I kept picking at it, if I just rub it, it'll be okay. But if I keep picking at it all day, every day, eating junk, it can't heal up. So I tell my patients, If you're going to cheat, it's only once in a while. And when you do enjoy it, because the hormones that you're going to produce, the stress hormones, like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be eating this. I'm going to get sick. I'm not going to feel good. And you're eating it. You've got a double whammy. Now you've just hit yourself with stress hormones and bad food. Now you've got a problem. You should be able to eat junk once in a while and enjoy it. Or David, eat broccoli and it not bother you. (laughs) (laughs) My, my, my particular weakness is um, Amy's mushroom and olive frozen pizza. Oh, there you go. See, and, well. you know, it's, yeah, what can I say? And it's like a knockout. It's like this huge carbo load. And I'm, I go to bed and it's like, I don't move for 12 hours. Just, you know what? And David, there's a time we know now the body likes to be uh, uh, pressed once in a while. It literally <laughs> does like to be challenged. It wakes it up to say, whoa, wait, what just happened? I need to do some extra work. <laughs> so it's okay. It's like interval training <laughs> exercise, right? You go hard and fast, then you slow it down, hard and fast, slow it down. We're seeing that with our cancer therapies. We're seeing that. And I think of food the same way. It's okay to challenge once in a while, when I say that, 
maybe once a month, if you're in good shape, if you're not, don't cheat. But, you know, even if it would be, if you're in really good and you don't really feel a negative effect from it, maybe once a week on a weekend, you have a, a cheat meal and you enjoy it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have to, one of the things I've learned is, um, I sort of pulse my, uh, athletic training too. Yes. And, and that's the best. Um, so I, I'll do like sort of like eight weeks on some kind of a modality and then yeah. switch. And if I'm in strength training mode, yeah. um, I eat five times a day right? and I, I'll eat, I'll have like an oatmeal, something or other, like before I go to the gym, because I need the, mm -hmm. I just need the glycogen in my muscles. Um, right. Well, you've yeah. learned to listen to your body, but what, what we do know is once you've asked them to do a lot of activity, they need protein within about an hour. Yeah, Otherwise, that's right. I always do that stay too. Stay broken yeah. down, right? Yeah. And you need to be able to build them yeah. back up. So that's, that's right. the general rule. Yeah. What you do before, if it's coffee, so that you get a really good exercise or every <laughs> that cortisol going <laughs> right, but everybody is different. Everybody's right. different, and you got it. But the the point that you made, which is true, is that the body likes this press pulse, press pulse. Yeah. Otherwise, it desensitizes and it That's quits right. listening to you. Quits listening to your exercise program. Quits listening to all these other things you're doing, supplements and all this. It needs to be shocked or woken up once in a while. Well, I'll think of my Amy's pizzas. It's that the hit training. <laughs> yeah, from David, my, like, I didn't say you could have system. that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, tell my wife, I'm training tonight. I'm doing metabolic training. There I'm having go. the entire pizza. <laughs> well, that, that day you have to see how you function the next day. But if <laughs> yeah, you're well, just a little sluggish once in a while, that's going to be okay. But don't, you know, do anything that makes you, you know, really hurt you that, you know, you just felt really bad the next few days. So let's, um, I, I want to stay on this, this, yep. um, idea of this metabolic stuff and, and a glucose load. Yeah. Um, do you ever put uh, continuous glucose monitors on your patients or you ever use them? I have. And I, I, you know, I, 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 here's the, here's what I do with all my patients. I've got to look at their mental state. If they're a patient who worries about everything and mm. they're tracking their, their GKI and their glucose every 30 minutes, they've got charts They're you know, they're doing all this and they're staying in a dress, uh, a stress mode because they're oh. tracking all this stuff. I'm not doing them a favor. Oh, right. Right. So if there's somebody that's not paying attention to anything <laughs> and I want them and we set them on a program, you need to write this down for me every so often. Right. That's great. So all these wearables, um, you know, the R ring, all these things, technology is great, David, for some people because they like to track and it gives you a sense of, I know what I should be doing or how well I'm doing. And it gives you a peaceful sense that you're in control. Other people obsess over it. Mm. And now the molecules you are releasing in response to all this data could be far more harmful than oh. you getting the knowledge. I love the knowledge. I love tracking. That, so you... <laughs> can wear that. That's right. That's you. Other people would, it would stress them out and saying, right. I have patients that come in and they, you know, maybe we want to look, they, they have a family history of Alzheimer's and they want to know what's their risk factor. And I said, well, I can run an APOE four, yeah. four. I can look for yeah. this. I can see, do you want to know? And if you know, is that going to bring you a sense of peace? You're already, if they're already worrying about getting this and they're stressing about it and it would be good for them to know either way so that they're either going to put in place a program to prevent or quit worrying about it because so far it doesn't look like they're going to go down that path. We do it. But if it's the patient that says, Oh no, I don't want to know because if I have it, I'm going to worry about it all the time. Then I say, hmm. well, then we're not running it. Right. Why would we run that marker on them, David, and make them, it just takes all the wind out of their sail and they have no hope and they worry about it. So very hmm. uh, individualized what I'm going to do. Wearables, genetic markers, what kind of testing I'm going to do. If I've got a patient who says, I want the knowledge like you, David, I want the knowledge and I, I love it. It's enjoyable. I'm going to do all these things to work on the epigenetics and decrease my bad genes and upregulate my good genes. I'm on it. I want to do it. Great. We'll run all kinds of unique things. But um, if you're a stress ball and a worrier, that could be doing a disservice. That's so interesting. I never you thought about that. You have to know your patient. Yeah. Doctors have to know their patients. Wow. 
Okay. I mean, like the first thing I do in the morning is I like look at like, what's my HRV? What's my resting heart rate? Yeah. Therefore, how hard can I work out today? And I I love it. I love that. Like, I like that from the, the, but you know, I would say, and for those listening, you know, you can get that from wearables. Like, are you talking about, you're obviously using the aura ring. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, exactly. So the aura ring tells us those things. And then David would look at that and say, Hey, um, I, today I can go into my harder workout. I can go really push it today or today, you know, Ooh, I plan to go to the gym and do all this stuff, but my didn't sleep that well last night and my heart rate variability is not great. So I really need to take it a little more easy today. But David, if we were really, really doing things the way we should be doing, we should be able to wake up and feel that's and know true. all that information without the data. I'm like you, I, I, I like the data. I like the I'm, data. I'm getting there. Right? I'm, getting to, I'm getting there, Denise. <laughs> I, I, I am. It's still, I tap in. How do I feel today? That's, (laughs) I mean, my doctor is, um, my physician here is one of the physicians for the Olympic team. Yep. And I said, Hey, you know, the HRV, all this stuff, how, you you know, do you use this? And he's like, yeah, we use it, but it's like, yeah, it's just more like, how do you feel? And, um, I'm, I don't know. I have a background as an engineer, so I like to see the number. It's like, how can I improve my number? Right. And me being, me being the researcher that I am, and then coming from a family of engineers and geologists and scientists, I like numbers and data do too. I like it. It doesn't stress me out. It gives me a sense of peace. But, you know, I have two patients right now. One has ovarian cancer. The other one has breast. One came in and said, I don't want to know my stat statistics. I don't want to know my prognosis with my staging, how long I'm supposed to live. And I don't want to know. I want to trust you and my oncologist to work together and I'll do what you say because I trust you. And then I want to spend my time in meditation and blah, blah. I don't want to know. The other patient came in. She had already read so much. She knew her statistics. She knew everything. And then she wanted to put her plan together and be intimately involved in the plan. So Mm. really you've got to know, you know, know yourself, right? Know yourself. Um, absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about, <laughs> I'm so, I have so much debt. Da- I am so tracked. <laughs> yeah. I love tracking. Uh, right. I've got uh, a patient with prostate cancer right now, David, and he literally tracks his GKI. Remember that's the glucose yeah. with the ketone like every 30 minutes. And he's done oh. it for about six years and his drives his wife crazy. She said, we can't oh. go anywhere to eat. He's always tracking and he's doing, but you know what, for him, that's yeah. the way his brain works. Sure. Go in and look at a bunch of numbers and statistics and be worrying about this all the time. I don't want to think about it. I said, okay, that's yeah. a husband and wife, how they're handling it. Yeah. Um, so tell me, uh, we, we had a conversation earlier and you were telling me about, um, somebody asked you to test a device, um, about a liver. Um, right. So there, that was a, a, a interesting one. There's a, a scan. It's a, it's like, it's an ultrasound called a shear wave ultrasound. So it's non-invasive. It's outside the body. And I had read about, I've forgotten how I came into it because I'm always, you know, 4am I'm always reading something. And I called that it was developed in France, but at that point it was only at Mayo Clinic. And I think, I don't even think MD Anderson had it yet, but I thought, well, now that's interesting. And so I called them and I said, can I get one in my office? Let's see if it financially will work in a private practice for us to check the liver health of our patients. Well, long story short, that didn't work in private practice, but, but I had that device for almost four months. And what I did was I took every one of my patients that came in and I said, listen, as far as I can see on your lab work and everything else, I think your liver is fine. And, but I have this device, I won't charge you. Let me put you on the table. Doesn't hurt, non-invasive. Let me take, let me check your liver. David, these were people who were eating well, healthy, exercising, not stressing, doing meditation, all the right things, right? And some people were young. They had never drank, no no alcohol, no drugs, athletic young people. And I put them on that table and I was finding fatty liver and even fibrosis. One of my patients, extremely healthy male, he was probably 45 at the time. His fibrosis, which is kind of scarring or stiffening of those tissues, 
in one year, he would have had cirrhosis and been on a transplant list had I not put him through that fibro scan. And I had no reason to think he had anything going on with that liver. So it was a real wake up call to me that um, some people that are overweight, their livers were fine. That's who we generally think might have liver issues. And some people extremely healthy had liver problems. I think it's environmental. I think there's a lot of causes here, but it was interesting to see that. And it taught me that um, looking at their livers that way, uh, sometimes when your cholesterol is high and you're going, wait, I'm eating healthy. And you say, oh, maybe it's my family, this and that. Your liver is supposed, one of its jobs is to break down the cholesterol. So one of the things, if somebody has this unexplained high cholesterol, I'm going to look at their liver. So I like the test. I think we need to do it more often. I, in my book, it should be an annual screen on everybody or at least every five years to look at it, to let me know the percentage of cells that are fatty and the percentage that are stiff that may cause cirrhosis. And um, if you don't take care of the fatty liver, those fatty cells, David, cause inflammation, which causes the fibrosis, fibrosis and cirrhosis. So eventually it's gonna go down that path anyway. So catching it at the fatty liver stage, we can do some things about. Why do they have fatty livers? Well, some of it can be diet, but like I said, um, we don't, if they're not, if they're not drinkers, <laughs> if they're eating healthy and all that, I think environmentally there's hormones. We don't know all the causes of what's causing fatty liver. We really don't. But I also know that why, why is it that when we do hormones in people, um, especially anybody over, you know, 50 or 60, the hormones are really, really low for their age range. What, what's blocking everybody's hormones? I think it's environmental. Again, we know these plastics and things that are xenoestrogens that block into, they go into those little um, uh, 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 openings, supposed to be hormones in there, but instead we've got all the junk in there. So the hormones can't get in into these receptors. I know that I believe there's a big environmental piece here, but, and I think liver's probably going down that same pathway because remember it, remember it's a detox organ. So if it's being taxed, if it's working really hard on all these environmental toxins, I think that's a big piece of it. That's scary. Yeah. Okay. I mean, wow. that's a whole nother show, David. It's a, a depressing one, but we're born toxic. Children are born with so many chemicals in their bodies from day one. We are toxic. The planet is toxic, but the good news is good news is we can measure for those things. We can see what they are and we can chelate and get them out of the body. And that was another reason why I do a certain type of, I'll do a detox, uh, a heavy metal detox a couple of times a year, David, because my body doesn't do a good job getting rid of mercury. And I love to eat tuna. Mm. I love tuna. Ooh, I love yeah. fish. And I want all the good things that come from fish, but also what's coming from the fish is heavy metal. My body doesn't get rid of it. So I chelate. How are you chelating? A year. How, what's your method of chelation? Well, I've kind of changed it. We used to do um, EDTA and DMSA. Those are chemicals yeah. that can get it out of there. And there was IVs. Right. It was hard on the veins. I like modified citrus pectin now. And let me tell you about that. It is one of my favorite. If you're going to choose one thing to be on, well, a couple, I like resveratrol, but I like modified citrus pectin. MCP, that's that white stuff inside in orange and grapefruit. It's that white peel stuff that you try to get out of there. <laughs> That, that pectin is amazing. So there are probably, I don't know at this point, maybe 800 studies that have been done on modified citrus pectin. Here's what we know about it. It blocks what's called galactin-3. Galactin-3 is a pathway upstream from a lot of bad stuff. And so the pharmaceuticals have been, companies have been trying to find a drug or develop a drug that could block galactin-3. Now, why do they want to block that? If you block that, you're blocking heart disease, obesity, diabetes, cancer, uh, arthritis, um, Alzheimer's, brain diseases, all of these downstream bad chronic degenerative diseases can at least partly, if not completely in some instances, be blocked if we can block galactin-3. Well, guess what blocks galactin-3? Modified citrus pectin. And it, it is also a mild, it's a, it's not as strong as the other chelators, but it does chelate out heavy metals. So what I do 
is do a protocol that I've got that I do with the modified citrus pectin and a couple other things a couple of times a year, just to pull out gently and slowly pull out some of those metals that I've been collecting from my fish and, and water and lettuce and everything else. I mean, lead's everywhere. I mean, it's just everywhere. So I really, really, for a lot of reasons, like modified citrus pectin. Um, can I ask you, what's the protocol? Um, it's, it's, it's a whole, there are about six products that you do. Here's the thing about chelation. If you're pulling out the heavy metals, you're also pulling out minerals and other thing, other things, right? right? So you've got to replace those. And it depends on the patient. If I think that they are going to have more, um, oxidative damage, I'll put them on, um, an antioxidant. So it really is individualized protocol. It's not a, here it is, David, let me hand it to Mm. you. It's done. I look at the patient. Are they usually constipated? They're going to get worse. So now I have to make sure what we call the emunctories are open, that your skin, that you can sweat, that you can um, have a bowel movement, that you're urinating. I need to make sure all those things are working and open so that when we do pull it out of the tissues into the bloodstream, it's not going to just tuck back in. It's Mm. got to have a way out. So mm-hmm. if you don't have those things working, the liver that we're talking about, liver, kidney, skin, and GI, if those emunctories are not open, then what do you, how are you going to chelate? You've got to make sure. So uh, everybody's protocol is a little bit different, but I do like the modified citrus pectin. That's bad. I, I, used to, um, I used to have these really high mercury levels. And so, yeah, um, yeah like those chemicals that you mentioned, and then yeah. we, we used to do it... Um, it was initially orally and then IV with glutathione and yeah. Um, yeah. vitamin C. But yeah. Right, right. Those protocols are kind of changing. A lot of people still do the IVs. Um, the IVs in the long run, we found were sclerosing or scarring some of the, the veins in people, <laughs> making it where we blew those veins. You couldn't use them anymore. <laughs> I said, well, what happened to the first do no harm? And I'm, I'm of the predisposition, David, it took years for you to collect those things. It's okay to take some time to get it out. I don't, if I have somebody who had an immediate exposure to something, you know, something got dumped on them, I'm going to do IV chelation right then to get it out. If they're getting amalgams out of their mouth, I'm going to do it the IV that day. Otherwise I don't do IVs anymore. Why? Let's go slow, be more gentle on the body and, and nobody gets sick and feels bad either when they're chelating this way. Right. Uh, well, n- now that we're, we're on the topic of this, what are the sort <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> tell me, you know, like when I, if I go to my doc or I go somewhere else, they give me sort of a, a bunch of tests to take. What, what are the tests do you think people should be getting that they're not? Well, you know, it depends on the type of doctor, but I will say if you're going to your traditional doctor, they're going to do a CBC panel. That's just a basic mm-hmm. blood panel. You're lucky if you get the chemistry, which looks at your um, your uh, your kidney filtration and things like that. Really lucky if you get a lipid panel looking at the cholesterol pieces. But um, in general, I think everybody should get an HSCRP. It's cardioreactive protein. That lets me know how much inflammation you've got going on in your body, especially in your heart. That's number one, do you have inflammation? If you do, what's causing it? Because inflammation is the base root of most chronic degenerative diseases, David. So I, I think CRPs need to be done. I think a hemoglobin A1C, that gives me a three month look at blood glucose, not just your glucose. And they go, oh, your sugar was fine. That gave me that day. Mm. Hemoglobin A1C gives me the average over three months. Now that way you don't get to cheat me on that, eating healthy for a couple of days before your lab work. I get to see what it's been doing for three months. I also, on a basic panel on my new patients that come in, I'll do a CA-125 and maybe some other types of basic cancer markers because I want to know if they get a lump or a bump or something starts happening or they've got big family history here or something, I don't, we don't say, well, let's wait and watch it. Then I can rerun those cancer markers. And if they shot up really fast, that's an alarm to say, I'm not waiting to watch and see. We're sending you off for scans and, and, and we're looking right now because we catch, catch a cancer early much easier than later. So I'll do some cancer markers, um, but blood sugar, cancer markers and those inflammation are very important. And then, you know, the liver enzymes, you can't really test in blood for that, David. That's why that fibro scan was so important because once those liver enzymes on lab work have gone outside of range, you could have lost about three quarters of your liver function. Ah. It's a little late. 
It's a little late. So everybody says, oh, oh your liver looks fine. Your liver enzymes are normal. It does not tell me if your liver is, liver is functioning well, doesn't tell me it's fibrotic or, or fatty. It doesn't let me see. That's why the fibro scan was an important one. And I, I, I generally, most of my new patients coming in, if they give me any indication about liver, then I'm sending them to get that shear wave ultrasound. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's others, David, you know, but, but those are the basics that I think are not being done that should be done. And you, Medicare insurance will pay, not necessarily for the fibro scan, unless you get a GI doc uh, doing it, but the hemoglobin A1C, cardio reactive protein, and um, maybe even a basic cancer marker, CEA or CA125, you might be able to talk your doc into doing those. Yeah. Um, I just made some notes. <laughs> I'm going to go look at my labs after we <laughs> Make sure they're there. Well, then, then the other thing is that, you know, if you're looking like you mentioned, David, if, if you're looking at your labs, don't look if it tagged out um, out of range. Look and say, hey, the number, the cutoff is 5.9. I'm at 5.8. Right. What are you going to wait a whole right. year to look at that? You know, um, you know, in men, obviously, we still use PSA, even though it's a poor marker. But again, if that thing shoots up really high, it's something for us to look at. Um, you know, men, we still use PSA, even though it's not great. Um, but, but looking at your labs yourself, are you close to either edge too low or too high? That's the time to start saying, Hmm, maybe there's more testing I need to do to find out why it's near to the edge, you know, near on those edges. Oh, thyroid. I think thyroid's not looked at enough. And the other thing is usually they'll just do a TSH. All that is, is the hormone from the pituitary up here. That doesn't tell me what the thyroid's doing. You need a free T3, a free T4 and a TSH. Now, you know, the signal's okay. The thyroid's making its hormone and it's converting to the active form. So that, those are ones, these are just in my basic panels I do every year in patients, but most of the time those aren't really done in traditional medicine. TSH hey. maybe, but it's not all of it. Um, okay. So you're doing a ketogenic diet. Um, what are you looking for in terms of like LDL, HDL levels? Well, here's the interesting thing on that. Just because your cholesterol is high, I go, okay, which piece? And then you say, what's well, my bad cholesterol? Okay, which piece? They're called lipoprotein particles. We have a test that I, I use SpectraCells, the name of the company. And what it does is break down all the particles of the bad cholesterol. So there's like seven or eight different bad cholesterols now that are in that category. But some of them aren't that bad. They're buoyant. They're big. They haven't been linked to heart disease or be a problem. I'm not going to worry about those, even though your overall number may be high. But if you have LP little a, now that's another one. If anybody with high cholesterol, this is the number one. RLP, remnant lipoprotein, ApoB, APOB, and LP little a, especially LP little a. That guy has been linked to heart disease, heart attacks, stroke. That's the really bad bad cholesterol. If you've got that one, here's the interesting piece. <laughs> there's not a medicine, there's not a statin, a fibrate, oral inhibitor, all the different medications that have been shown to really work on decreasing that LP little a to really get it under control. There's not a med that works. So just saying, oh, your cholesterol is high, go on a statin. Well, if you've got LP little a, it's not going to work on that. Now, is it going to bring down your overall number? Yes, because it's working on those other pieces we're talking about that may not be that detrimental. What's the only thing that brings down LP little a? The only thing that's been shown to date, there's got to be other things, but right now, the only thing that we know that brings that down is niacin, good old B vitamin. But you've got to be at, a, get to about a 10 to 15 minute flush, like a hot flash. <laughs> you've got to have it to that level, that amount to have that happen every day. And if you do, that's going to bring down that LP little a, and that's your biggest cholesterol risk factor. And there's not a medication that works on that. So I love doing those lipoprotein particle tests that includes the cardioreactive protein. I talked about how much is inflammation, how much is it metabolic? Do you have a blood sugar problem that's causing the inflammation? It's all tied together. So you look at the pieces and you address all of it and then you get people better. And now that's true prevention. It's yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. Uh, I, <laughs> I can't wait. 
to really see where where my labs were at. Um, hey, hey, David, you know what? We're yeah. all, you know, those of it listening to your to your ages and 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 our age and all that, we better be watching now. Yeah. We want to live to 120 or beyond in good health. That's yeah. the key. And I don't want to wait till there's a problem. I want to see what I can see and make the changes that we need to make. And absolutely, it, you know, you, you just we have some technology. We have some labs and imaging to help us do that, but. We cannot see everything. We mm. cannot. And that's where you got to learn to tap into your body. Pay attention. The main pillars. How are you sleeping? How is your body? Are you weak and flabby? You don't like looking in the mirror. Are you strong and healthy? Um, how's your energy level? Your mental state? Clarity. Can you think? Are you clear? Your spiritual state, which helps you not be in that stressful, make cortisol, run from the bear where the body can't repair. You want to age yourself. You want to age. You don't eat well. You don't exercise and you stress. Those three things and you don't sleep and you don't poop well, you're in trouble. You will age your immune system will be compromised and you're in trouble. But if you can get those pillars, those mm -hmm. basic pillars, rate yourself on a scale of one to 10, are you doing well in those areas? Then you're probably doing okay, no matter what the labs and everything else shows you. But, you know, if you're not, if you don't, and I have a whole little thing that I put people through that I ask them specific questions, rating one to 10, and I describe you know, good sleep, good energy, good mental state, good spirituality, you know, a good bowel movement. What does that look like? What should it look like? And then they, we, we rate it and then we, they know. And so do I, because I'm asking them, I'm not asking a lab. I'm not asking an image, which I like all that, but I'm asking them, how do they think they're rating? And that's important because the best pharmacy in the world, David, is your body's own pharmacy. Mm -hmm. It is the right dosage at the right time of the right molecule, no side effects. And here's the best piece. It's far, those molecules are far stronger than any medicine we will ever come up with, be it natural or a, a prescription. Morphine is the strongest um, uh, painkiller that we have, but what our own, our own molecules that we produce are far stronger than morphine for a painkiller. So if we learn to tap into meditation and prayer and into trusting our body and realizing that, you know, DNA is not our destiny and that we have a lot of power within us. When we let our body know that it's okay, we float in the peacefulness and gratitude. Guess what happens? All these repair mechanisms and beautiful right. medicines get released and they're far more powerful and stronger and smarter than any of the other things that we're talking about today. That's exactly right. And I think that um, I, I, I subscribe to the big rock, little rock theory. <laughs> the big rocks are what you said, like exercise, sleep, drink water, eat good food. And I think super important, like get a lot of hugs, get that oxytocin, you know, community, like connection with others. And then you, once you get that squared away, Okay. Then you can like, you know, go Weak down to, everything else. That's right. You can like go down the biohacking, you know, rabbit hole, have fun. Yeah, that's right. Um, have fun. But it's like, if you don't have that, if you don't have the big rocks squared away, mm -hmm. the rest of it, no, <laughs> it's not really going to have an effect. That's right. And David, you hit the nail on the head, you know, um, the blue zones, you know, people that yeah. live the longest, their diets are a little different. Most of them eat more vegetables than most people. That's what they have in common as far as diet is concerned. Some eat meat, some don't. But what they all have in common is a very strong community, Absolutely. very strong community. Yeah. That's what yeah. they have in common. Yep. And yep. so, you know, we've got to be connected to ourselves that way we're checking in. How am I doing? How do I feel? Not, mm. oh, my doctor said I was okay and I'm going to ignore all my symptoms, but do I have a community? And we're connected to the planet. That's the environment, you know, mm -hmm. good things in, bad things out, but we're also connected to the um, cosmos. And I just quickly want to talk to you about the Transylvania effect. That is that whole full moon that for centuries, everybody said, everybody goes nuts during the full moon. More babies are born. There's more stabbings. You know, all the all this wild stuff always happens. Why is it? So there were studies that said, yes, we think it's true, not true. But Yale just this year came out with one. They didn't weren't studying that. They were studying something completely different. And they did their AI, their artificial intelligence. And what they said was good grief. We don't know what's happening. We don't know why, but we do know 
that when the full when it's a full moon, people can't get to sleep as easily as normal. They sleep less. They sleep shorter period, you know, a shorter period of time, and they don't sleep as deep. It affects our sleep, that moonlight. And I teach people get outside in the moonlight and the sunlight. We need both circadian rhythms. Get back out in nature. I, I teach, I developed a course at ASU called Ancient Healing for Modern Times, Ayurvedic, Indigenous medicine, naturopathy, homeopathy, traditional Chinese medicine. What do they all have in common? Mind, body, and spirit. That's mm-hmm. what they all, the modalities yeah. are all over the place. You know, you can stick a needle acupuncture. I'm in licensed acupunctures, but I can use homeopathy. It doesn't matter. It's about addressing those things and being close to nature in our community is key, David. I have seen people with, with, um, I constantly see terminal stage four cancers. You're given two weeks to live and it's many, many years later and they're still gone. Either they have spontaneous remission, can't see the cancer or it's still there and they're living, they're living and they're doing well. There's a vital force in us, a spirit in us that's far beyond any of the other things and supplements, you know, all that. And I, I've formulated some of the top formulas in the country, David, and I know there's a quality control issue. I'd rather you be on nothing than a poor quality supplement. And there's a big issue there. Spend a lot of time in quality control on my end. Uh, but it's not about all the stuff. It's not about all the technology. It's really about this community and what you're teaching and what you're doing with your podcast, with your, with your show here. It's really about educating. My tagline, David, is educate, then you empower, and then you enlighten. Because once I tell somebody, let's educate, I'm going to empower you to make the changes and then enlighten you that once you've done it, quit worrying, let go and enjoy. Let's enlighten. Let's connect with your spiritual, whatever your belief system is and have fun. That's absolutely right. Um, Yeah, I'm working on the. I, I'm pretty good at the first two, the <laughs> enlighten. I haven't quite gotten into like the enlightened thing, but I'm, I'm working yeah. on that. Yeah. Well, but, <laughs> but it won't be work. I'll correct you that it'll be when you learn just to let go where you're not working at it. Your mind's out of the way. Right. Not, you know, music is a great way to transition yeah. you into that space. You don't have to Absolutely. work at it. Just listen and go. You know, there's a lot of um, thought leaders and a lot of people out there doing good work, teaching people to meditate in different ways. Like Joe Dispenza does his deep breathing and going yeah. up and Wim Hop. you know, there's a million ways you got to find the one that works for you, but it's not about religion. It's about feeling spiritually connected to something outside of yourself. So you don't feel alone. You feel That's so right. safe and protected and loved no matter what, whether you have cancer, whether, you know, your, your business is going to, it doesn't matter. It's that you can tap into that place where you ride, where it's all good, no matter what, that's where you do your best healing. That's um, I, I was in a conversation with uh, Dr. Michael Royzen from the mm-hmm. Cleveland clinic a few weeks ago. Yeah. And we were talking about like the, the 10 ways to like live longer. And, yeah. and the top three mm-hmm. were community, community and community. That's right. It really is. <laughs> like, you it can, really then is. Then we'll get to this. It's like all the diet, exercise, sleep, all that <laughs> stuff. He's like, yeah, this is really great. You need to do all this. Yeah. But <laughs> I agree. I really, really agree. Yeah. And and even just beyond community, I mean, that's important, but you've got to be able to feel yeah. this, this real connection that, yes. that it's all okay. Yeah. And, and, and when you can, that's when these spontaneous remissions and things happen that are wonderful. And I'm going to tell you one quick story about my dad yeah. from an aging standpoint. Can I? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. So at um, the way we're supposed to age. My dad at 88 years old, now he golfs four days a week. He goes dancing. They have, they have a more active, you know, life outside. He travels the world with his, his wife, who's 90. She's 90. He's 88. They went to a resort recently and they got caught skinny tipping. They forgot their swimsuit. She forgot her (laughs) swimsuit and they were too cheap not to go into the hot springs. You know, it's a hot springs area. So they waited till it got dark. They went out there. They got too hot. They laid down, they passed out and they got caught. Now they were, they were rock stars by the whole resort. You know, they loved it, but they were but naked, as we say, skinny <laughs> dipping at 88 and 90 years old. That is the way we're supposed to age. And so isn't that a great story? I've got that for forever. My, 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 my conservative father, um, you know, skinny dipping. So, hey, 
right good on. energy, good mentality, good, yeah. you know, just feeling good. And, and, you know, golfing four days a week, people say, aren't you worried that he's going to be out there in that 117 degree weather? He, I said, yes. They said, what if he dies? I said, he said he wants to die on the mound. Where do you want him at a hospital bed? <laughs> he's lost three of his friends on the tee. So he says, that's exactly where I want to go. I yeah, said, hey. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm with him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. I, I love this. Um, I'm definitely going to come down to Arizona. I'm yeah. definitely not going to come down to Arizona in summer. I'm no, sorry. Do not. Do not. No, I'm going to give it six months and then I'll come down and we'll hang out and you can like yeah. find out why I can't eat broccoli. There you go. There you go. Yeah. We've got to do that because we'd love for you to have it if you don't have a, a problem with the, with the broccoli itself. So uh, we need you to have it. You know, if there's one thing that we say is kind of a natural chemotherapy, it fights cancer and it prevents it. It's broccoli. So I love broccoli sprouts. I have a handful oh, yeah. every day. Do you broccoli sprout them yourself? Pardon, you, yes. You, you make so, them yourself? You know what? I'll give a shout out to a company. I don't have any affiliation or anything. It's called Hamama. And they bring you, they have these little pads that they send you. You just put it in water. In a few days, you've got your sprouts, all different kinds. But I'll tell you, the broccoli seeds are the main ones. Have a handful of broccoli seeds a day. Have some modified citrus pectin and maybe some resveratrol. We're good to go. Oh, awesome. Yep. Um, thank you so much. You're just a, a fire hose of information, which is what we love. <laughs> I enjoy what I do. And I know you do too. And that's why we we continue to learn and, and love to educate others. That, that's the point. Let's share it, the knowledge. Absolutely. Right. Great to have you here, Denise. Thank you, David. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the show today. I hope that you learned as much from Dr. Warden as I did. She's amazing. And she's so fun. <laughs> if you want to contact her, all of her contact information will be in the show notes for the show. And I recommend that you do reach out to her if this sort of stuff is interesting to you. It's fascinating to me. Um, and I want to give just another shout out to Inside Tracker that the Inside Tracker Ultimate Test, which I took my first round about four months ago, and I just took the second follow up round about three days ago, includes the majority of the tests that Dr. Warden was talking about. And the nice thing about Inside Tracker is if you go to the, you know, you go to their app with your tests, they give you actionable things that you can do to improve the results of those tests, which is really great. And that's something that I've, I've got a really good doctor. I mean, he's the doctor for the U.S. Olympic team, and he doesn't give me the kind of stuff that Inside Tracker does. So um, again, check those guys out. You get 25% off too if you go to insidetracker.com slash ageist. Next week, we've got another great guest. If you liked Dr. Warden say, or if you have any questions for her, just um, hit me up or hit her up directly. If you want to speak to me, it's David at superage.com. And yes, indeed, I do reply personally and directly to all my emails. Please like us on whatever platform you're on. Please subscribe. And hey, maybe tell your friends about this. I think everybody can benefit from hearing what Dr. Warden had to say today, um, especially her messages on ketones and cancer. Um, really useful information. So maybe share this with your friends. Everybody, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week. Take care now. Bye-bye.